Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Welcome to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personality shaping the stories. Thanks for joining me on Special Edition. I'm Paula Degnan. This week, Odyssey's Nikki Stone sat down recently with Congressman Dan Muser to talk about what's happening in Washington. We'll hear some of her chat with him. We're also bringing back, because you asked for it, a discussion on the hashtag Ask for Echo campaign on heart valve disease. We're also going to be talking about something in the news, monkeypox with Dawn Webster. We're going to meet Dan Griffin. He's from Luzerne County, and he's on his way to help rebuild war-torn Ukraine. Starting us off, Jason Brenner. He's one of the co-chairs for the Hazelton Rotary Wine and Beer Festival coming up later this month. And he's here with your invitation to be there for the fun and all the details. Jason, you are with the Hazelton Rotary. And for folks who might not know, what kind of projects are the Hazelton Rotary involved in? We're involved in a number of community projects in the greater Hazelton area. We both fund outside organizations as well as do our own internal projects. Some of the uh, internal things we do is we have a, a kids' coach program. We have a couple of scholarship programs for students looking to either go to uh, university or or even in the trade schools. We have a Christmas shopping spree thing for uh, for children who uh, maybe are, are less fortunate than us. We, we do a number of things for feeding um, home, the homeless and the veterans, and uh, you know, again, those those who are who are down on their luck. And uh, and then we do a lot of support things for our police, our firefighters, our, our uh, medical personnel, et cetera. So uh, in general, I would just say that we are a, an organization in service of our community. And one of the things you mentioned, the police, there was a dog involved? Yes. Uh, so we just recently celebrated our centennial year and we would do what I would call a, a spending blowout. And so we went and purchased a police dog for the Hamilton police. And we were fortunate enough to meet to meet the dog uh, a couple of weeks ago. And uh, he is completely trained. He's part of the force now. His name is A. Sheridan. You know, he, he does everything from um, drug sniffing to apprehension to everything. He's, he's multi-purpose for the police force. And um, uh, I know that they, uh, they've already fallen in love with him and as have we. Well, I just wanted to give our listeners an opportunity to get some of the background on Hazelton Rotary because all of the things that you mentioned, of course, need support. And you have a big fundraiser coming up at the end of August that I think everybody's going to want to be there. So give us the details when and where and what. Yeah, so uh, on Saturday, August 27th from uh, 12 noon until 6 p.m. at the Hazleton City View Park, uh, we will be hosting our annual wine and beer festival. So this is our, our organization's largest fundraiser of the year. It involves exactly what the title has in it. We invite wine and beer vendors from uh, craft breweries and wineries in our area to come up, uh, show off their products, uh, hopefully sell some to the public. And then we have entertainment and craft vendors and food vendors and stuff like that. Basically, it's, it's a party for a day. It's a great and it's all for in the support of a, of a great cause. And when it comes to the wine and craft beer vendors, and they're all local, right? Or they're not too far away. Correct. Yeah, we we focus on, you know, we're very fortunate here in our area that we have 
you know, a lot of both wine and uh, beer artisans out there. Um, and uh, I, I personally, I, I'm, a, I'm a beer drinker personally, but I could tell you that uh, some of the craft uh, beer places we have here are just absolutely phenomenal. And we're, we're very happy to be able to host them and, and let them show, uh, show off their respective products. You also mentioned entertainment. Who's going to be there for that? Yeah, so we're, we're, we're pleased to have Ostrich Hat and um, Guilty Pleasure each do a set. And then uh, in the interlude, we're going to have a couple of DJs also do a set. So we'll have, we'll have live music um, throughout the, uh, the course of the afternoon. And City View Park, what a great location, but it's not your first time there, right? No, this is our second time there. Previous years, we had been in some other locations in the in the Hazleton area, but we're we're thrilled to be back at City View Park. It has uh, you know some permanent structures. It has a, a great stage, you know, access to electricity and stuff for us, and uh, you know, uh, plumbing and, and all that kind of stuff. So it, it really did. Uh, last year, we found that it was the perfect venue um, for our for our festival. Now, of course, I know mm-hmm. that if the Hazleton Rotary is having a fundraiser, there would never ever be any rain but if there is well, you're still on right that that is absolutely true we are we are rain or shine you know last year we had uh we didn't quite have rain but i would say we had some we had some questionable weather at best last year and we were able to the one thing about this venue is with some of the permanent structures we were able to to move what we could you know under under roof and uh, we still had a great event and you know last year was a was a record turnout for us and we're hoping to beat that this year well, let's to let everybody know you have some tickets and there's different tickets that people can get. So give us that information and explain to us how that works. So we, we really want to have everyone um, purchase their tickets in advance if they can. And so tickets in advance are $25 uh, a piece. Now you have to be over 21 to, to drink. Um, if you're a designated driver or you're under the age of 21, you're still welcome. Uh, but tickets are $5 a piece to, uh, to attend. If you decide to buy the tickets, uh, you know, at the door, they're $30 a piece. And tickets are available from, if you know Hazleton Rotarians, so, you know, we're, we're all over the area. If you know them, you can buy them directly from us, or you can go to hazletonrotary.org and um, we have a link on our website where you can you can get into our online portal and purchase the tickets online. And I also understand that on the poster you can scan, there's a QR code there? There is. If you see some posters, we have we put posters uh, throughout the community at various businesses. If you see that, you can, you can just take your phone and exactly like you would at a restaurant for a menu or anything like that, scan the QR code, it'll take you right to our website. Uh, and the portal where you can buy tickets. All right. Well, it's going to be a wonderful day once again this year. And there are so many different projects. I know that you folks are already planning. I'm sure that all this is going to help. So, Jason, I'm going to turn it over to you. You issue the invitation, the where, the when, the how. It's all yours. Yeah, so uh, again, come and join us for the Hazleton Rotary Wine and Beer Festival. It's Saturday, August 27th from 12 p.m. until 6 p.m. at the Hazleton City View Park. Uh, Tickets are available online, and they're also available at the door. So again, Saturday, August 27th from 12 until 6. Thanks again to Jason Brenner, one of the co-chairs for the upcoming Hazleton Rotary Wine and Beer Festival later this month. Now we're meeting Dan Griffin. He's from Luzerne County, and he's on his way to help rebuild war-torn Ukraine. How can you help, and why is he going? Well, I think it, it started with, you know, like everyone seeing these reports, and it was just it was continuing to go over and over. When I realized that this was something that wasn't just going to stop, you know, I started to get uh, really incensed about it. And, you know, donations really weren't enough. I thought that I could really have something to offer, so I started to research some volunteer groups. And, uh, I found this one volunteer for Ukraine. I applied to them for a volunteer position and then they vetted me and hooked me up with a job board, which, you know, you can go through and, and apply for. And so I picked up the, uh, a volunteer building repair person or handyman around, you know, in lack of a better term. And so they hooked me up with a Polish group called Wisco, but They also have a vetting process, so I had to do Zoom calls and send them things through the email and documentation of certain things. So they agreed to take me on. So then they have air mile donors who obviously donate their air miles, so they hooked me up with one of those. And it took a couple tries because I I think some donors were, you know, in between time, uh, either use them or whatever happened. But so... 
took about four of them by the time I got actually hooked up. So when are you planning on leaving and how long will you be there? Well, I'm planning on being out of here by the end of the month. So I still don't have my exact flight date. It's assured I'll be gone by the end of the month. It's a minimum one month commitment. I think that that will probably be extended, but that would just be speculation on my part. And I know your background is a police officer and you've retired from that. So going into a situation like this, Dan, we hear so much about it. We know that there's a lot of things that are going on over there. How is that going over in your mind and with the folks that you're leaving here? Well, certainly it's created a lot of anxiety and uh, for my family, you know, they're not specifically happy about it, but they realize the importance of the mission and how important it is to me. And so they're, you know, they're behind me, but they're also reluctant. But, you know, it's it's something I feel strongly about. And, uh, you know, I have a conviction about it. And I think, you know, the Lord has a job for me to do and he's pushed me that way. So you also have a GoFundMe. I do. Yes, I started that because um, there's expenses that have to be paid. And, you know, while I'm away, there's bills that are pile up. So I wanted to start that for that reason. But then it's kind of, I've met with uh, some Russian, Ukrainian pastors and, uh, you know, they, they've had some refugees that were actually at their services that, that I attended, uh, who came from Maripol and the Donbass region. And they explained some things to me logistically about supplies and, and the kind of help that I'm looking to give through this group, um, that some of it's not reaching them. So, uh, they've asked for simple things and which is like ibuprofen, you know, um, multivitamins, uh, pill pack, pill packets, coffee, instant coffee. Uh, just amazing to me that with all the aid going, that it's not necessarily reaching everybody. I mean, it's there, but I think it's just a logistical nightmare for people to go through it. That's another leg of what I want to try and do while I'm there, try and coordinate that better. Pray for me and safe passage, you know, and, and that my mission is fruitful and to uh, recognize these people as, you know, the victims they are. Just uh, keep me in your prayers, and I'll talk to you guys when I come back. We wish Dan well on his journey, and of course, if he has the opportunity to call us while he's there or when he gets back, we'll share it with you here on Special Edition. One GoFundMe page is VFU, Volunteers for Ukraine. There's also another GoFundMe page under Daniel Griffin. We learned that Dan left this past Wednesday to fly to Ukraine, and those donated air miles that he talked about were not available. So he paid for the airfare himself. And yes, that's me typing in the background as Dan was talking so I could get all the information to pass it on to you. Now, don't go away. When we come back, a big topic in the news, monkeypox on Special Edition. Next on Special Edition, L.A. County, Los Angeles, New York City, and San Francisco all earlier this week declaring emergencies due to rising cases of monkeypox. Health officials say it's not a time to panic, but be informed. Dawn Webster, Advanced Practice Clinician Director with MedExpress, has the information. Dawn Webster, always nice to have you here. And something that we're hearing about so much in the news is something called monkeypox. And can you give us a little bit of an explanation as to what that might be? So monkeypox is a rare disease caused by an infection with the monkeypox virus. So this virus is part of the same family of viruses known as the variola virus that causes smallpox also. So because of that, the symptoms for monkeypox are very similar to the smallpox symptoms, but often much, much milder. Is there any correlation between the name and the animal? So actually it is. And one of the recommendations is if you are traveling to the areas that do have monkeypox, you want to avoid contact with non-human primates, which are monkeys and and apes and gorillas and any of the non-human primates. So yes, they can actually also get and spread this virus. We're still in a mist of COVID. Is it prevalent? You said it's rare. So where has it been detected before? So it's most common in Central and West Africa. And and honestly, it truly is 
seen mostly in rodents and primates. So if you are traveling in that area, you're going to want to avoid sick or even dead animals, as well as their bedding or anything they may have touched. And it, it is very hard to spread. It is not like COVID in that it spreads easily. Essentially, it can be spread from person to person through direct contact with the infectious rash. And when I say infectious, I mean the lesions are still changing. So once they scab over and they're predominantly healed, it's really not even contagious anymore. Now, it can also be spread by respiratory droplets, but it has to be the prolonged contact. So kissing, sharing drinks, it's not just, you know, as easy as, as someone coughing two rooms away. So how would you know that this is something that you have? So the symptoms of monkeypox, because it's a virus, start as any other virus typically does. Fevers, headaches, muscle aches, chills, uh, swollen lymph nodes, exhaustion, and then the rash. So the rash typically starts as red dots, and they can appear anywhere. So they can be on the face, in your mouth, on any parts of your body. And essentially, the rash is going to go through different stages. So it starts as red, flat dots. And then they typically become bumps, what we call papules, and then they become pustules. So then they become filled with fluid. And that's when it's most contagious. And that's essentially when you're right in the midst of it. And then after that, they will start to heal and scab over. And then once the scabbing is resolving, you're no longer contagious. It's typically a two to four week process. So there have been confirmed cases here throughout Pennsylvania. And again, they're not giving able to give anything specific because of confidentiality. So are there things that people can do uh, in order to not come in contact with them? The risk of getting it and the risk of it being around you is pretty low from, from what they know. However, if you are around someone that has recently traveled to one of those high risk areas, or has been in an area where they do have a significant outbreak, you're going to want to try to isolate them. So you're not going to want to go around them. You're not going to want to share bedding or towels. Um, You're not going to want to, you know, touch any part of their body that looks like it may have a rash. Um, And then the other thing to keep in mind is because it is related to the smallpox virus, they believe that if you were immunized against smallpox, that also gives you protection against it. They're just not sure how much yet. That is good news. The vaccination for smallpox is still available, correct? It is. And the um, the government actually has two stockpiled vaccines that can, can prevent monkeypox. So they have that for the people that are at high risk that are going to be going into these areas to help treat the people where there's outbreaks. So there are vaccines available for the people that are identified as high risk or that may need them. Dawn, anything else that you would like to add? Because this is becoming a very big subject. I think that the the takeaway with this is pretty much just like we talk about when it's flu season or strep throat time, you know, just be diligent, wash your hands. If you're not feeling well, stay home. And and really think about the people that are at a higher risk that, you know, if you get monkeypox, it, it probably won't hurt you very much. It's generally not fatal, but in the people that are immunocompromised, the elderly, the young babies, those are the people that you really want to, you know, be careful of and watch out, you know, so just wash your hands. If you're not feeling well, stay home and really just, you know, keep those common sense things going that we kind of started with COVID. Dawn Webster always shares good information with us on Special Edition. Now it's back. Dr. Srikanth Vimupali and the hashtag Ask for Echo campaign. Let's start off with having you explain exactly what heart valve disease is. Perfect. So um, your heart has four valves in it, and they are designed to allow blood to flow in one direction only. So heart valve disease is where any one or more of those valves either doesn't open properly to allow blood to go forward or leaks so that blood goes backwards. Would you have any symptoms of this? That's a great question. So um, when heart valve disease is in its early stages, there may not be much in the way of symptoms. As it progresses and gets more severe, patients often will feel shortness of breath, fatigue, or chest discomfort, or maybe even swelling in their legs. 
There are also versions of heart valve disease that can be genetic. And in the early versions of that, um, patients may not feel anything until it progresses. Now, you mentioned genetic and not knowing it. So how prevalent then is heart valve disease? That's a great question, Paula. So about 2.5% of the population has heart valve disease. So that means one in 40 people. And then once you hit the age of about 70, that goes up to about 13%. So one in eight people. It turns out, if you look at 65-year-olds and above, one in 15 people has undiagnosed moderate or severe heart valve disease. And that's really the problem. That's why we're conducting this campaign, Ask for Echo, is the fact that much of the time heart valve disease is undiagnosed. Well, let's talk about that. Hashtag Ask for Echo. What is that all about and how would you even go about getting involved in that? Yeah, so we're trying to reach out both to patients and providers to raise awareness of both the prevalence and the rate of underdiagnosis of heart valve disease. And it's important because there are certain types of heart valve disease that can be lethal. We know that aortic stenosis, which is a problem with the valve between the heart and the rest of the body, that that valve doesn't open properly, that if you have severe aortic stenosis, Within two years, 80% of patients will die if they're not treated. So we're trying to raise this awareness and tell people, look, if you have symptoms of chest pain, shortness of breath, swelling in your legs, fatigue, or if you have a family member who's been diagnosed with heart valve disease, you should be talking to your provider about, do I need an ultrasound of my heart? And again, that's something that maybe a lot of people might have the symptoms of, but broaching that with their physician might be a little bit uncomfortable because they're thinking, well, this is something that I really don't know a lot about, but why would I even ask for an echo? Yeah, I think the important things here are not only is it uh, sort of under-awareness for patients, there's under-awareness amongst doctors as well. And so I don't think it's safe to assume that every doctor that a person sees knows about heart valve disease. And we mentioned all those symptoms. Those symptoms really reduce somebody's quality of life. And of course, we mentioned there are versions of heart valve disease that can result in death. So I think uh, we want to empower patients to say, look, I'm having symptoms. I'm not feeling well. This could be heart valve disease, which could be lethal to me it's reasonable for me to ask whether I should have an ultrasound to make the diagnosis. And then what happens if you are told, yes, this is something that you have. Is there treatment? Does it only mean surgery? Can anything else be done? That's a great question. So if heart valve disease is severe, 15 years ago, I would have said the treatments are generally surgery. And what I mean by that is you have to go into the hospital, have your chest opened up, stay in the hospital a couple of weeks and then recover for several months out of the hospital after having had your valve repaired or replaced. But in the last 10 years, we now have minimally invasive techniques to repair and replace heart valves. So we can do this generally through a, a needle hole in the leg. The procedure is done one day, stay in the hospital overnight, leave the next day with no restrictions on your activities. So because we have these abilities to treat minimally invasively, it becomes even more important to make the diagnosis of heart valve disease. And you mentioned echo, obviously, echocardiogram. Can you explain to our listeners exactly what that process is? And just in case somebody has never had one or has been told that they would need one and don't know what to expect. That's a great question. So an echo is an ultrasound of the heart. It's completely non-invasive. And what happens is it takes about 30 minutes and somebody basically will put some gel on your chest and then take pictures with an ultrasound machine of your heart. So you'll have moving pictures of your heart at the end of this. And any trained um, cardiologist can interpret these. These can be done in the office. They don't require a hospital stay. You can walk in and walk back out 30 minutes later. So when you're talking about heart valve disease, one of the things that you did mention was the genetics. Are there things that people could do, maybe change diet, maybe exercise, the things that we always hear about keeping good health that might either stop it or maybe delay heart valve disease? So 
it's not clear that diet or exercise um, and those types of things or really anything in a patient's control can change the progression of heart valve disease. Having said that, it's always a good idea to follow a proper diet and to exercise in part because by exercising, you'll have symptoms sooner, which will mean you'll be able to make the diagnosis sooner. Also, it's always important to uh, avoid things like smoking because these things seem to be associated with heart valve disease, but it's not clear to us that if you stop doing these things, that it will prevent heart valve disease. And once again, you mentioned the fact of going to your doctor and talking about your symptoms. And many people don't yet realize or don't yet take the wherewithal to become their own advocate. How important is that? I think that uh, that is very important, not just in heart valve disease, which of course is under-recognized by both patients and providers, but in all of medicine. Patients are integral parts of the healthcare team that's taking care of them. And healthcare is more effective when patients are engaged. And so I know this is difficult and a little bit different maybe than what we've uh, had culturally over the last 50 or 100 years, but an engaged patient who's advocating for themselves is generally going to do the best. Before we have to let you go, I'm sure that some of our listeners are hearing this and maybe they are looking to get more information. But again, there's so much information out there. Sometimes it points you in the wrong direction. Is there a place where they could go and get exactly what they need to know about hashtag ask for echo? So we have a website, askforecho.com. That's uh, the number four. Um, and patients can go there and get information about the topics we've been talking about here. And they can also sign up if they'd like to, to be involved in the campaign. Thank you so much. But before I let you go, is there anything that maybe we left out or that you would like to make sure that our listeners know? Uh, Paula, I think the take home for people is heart valve disease is common. It can be lethal. It's underdiagnosed and that you need an ultrasound of your heart to diagnose it, especially if you have symptoms of shortness of breath, chest pain, fatigue, or swelling. Congressman Dan Muser, next on Special Edition. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Republican Congressman Dan Muser, representing the 9th Congressional District, sits down with Odyssey's Nikki Stone. We are joined 
by Congressman Dan Muser. Thank you so much. It's a little far from election time. What are you doing here so early? Usually people don't come in until like two weeks before the election. And here you are sitting ready to talk to people. We're always talking to people. Uh, it's great to be here with you, Nikki. I really appreciate it. It's a, a great opportunity. Look forward to covering a lot of subjects. And, yes. you know, we run every two years. And some people say, wow, that's 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 too much. I mean, you know, all you're doing is campaigning. But it, it, it forces us, if you need to be forced, to stay close to your constituents, to always be out there. You know, we're in uh, Washington uh, three out of four weeks usually, sometimes only two out of four. And when we're in district, it's not off time. It's go time. And I got a great district team. And the way I look at it, 50% of my job is here in the district and 50% of my job is, is fighting hard in Washington. And helping the people of your district. Oh, yes. That's our constituent services. Just like when I was in business, customer service was number one. Constituent services is number one with our team. Now, there's going to be some changes in your district come uh, next year, right? Yeah, yeah. We had redistricting, um, which uh, took place arbitrarily uh, three years ago. We want to get into that. But every 10 years with the new census, we have uh, redistricting based upon the distribution of the population. You know, some, some people move into some areas some uh, uh, and some uh, enter uh, new areas. Pennsylvania grew less than uh, grew some, but grew less than other states. So therefore, we lost a congressional seat. We've gone from we're going to go from 18 congressional seats to 17. So oh. my district changed. I'll be picking up about 60,000 new uh, new constituents. So you're not losing anybody. You're gaining. Well, I'm gaining, but I am actually losing. The only county I'm losing is Carbon County, which is a shame because it's a beautiful place. Um, but I am picking up Wyoming County, Susquehanna County, Bradford County, Sullivan County, and a good portion of Lycoming out to Williamsport. And that's in addition to the counties that I currently have, which is Western Luzerne County, um, Schuylkill County, Northumberland County, uh, Lebanon, and a good portion of Berks County. Wow. So we have a, we have a, and, and excuse me, Mont, Mont, Montour, we have Danville, we have Geisinger, and that whole area. Oh, wow. Uh, and we're going to appreciate having you in Wyoming County where I live. Yeah, I know. I, you're you're up short. in Nicholson. Yes. I, uh, I love Nicholson, sure. It's nice. Uh, Bridge Day's coming up in September. Don't forget that. Right. <laughs> Excellent. I'll try to give you the date for it when I figure we'll, it out myself. We'll, we'll go to the office. I've it, been there in a little oh, while. Oh, the office. Yes. <laughs> Kim and Scott. Islesworth. Yes. I Know it's been them a while well. since I've been up there. Yep. Mm-hmm. The nice place. Yep. Good food, too. So yep. there, there you go. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of elephants in the room to discuss. I, I, trying to figure out which one to start with is so difficult. But I, unfortunately, yet hearing of another shooting. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people, like even your vice president, Harris, saying uh, that she wants Congress to approve the, um, where, where does she say? She called on Congress to ban assault weapons. Mm-hmm. And then you have already approved one gun control bill that Biden uh, was to sign into law. So where do we stand with this? What more can be done? I mean, I know there's background checks in that bill that was signed. This guy passed every background check yeah. and he had a mental history uh, that was not was a little shady. Yeah, um, you know clearly we have a serious problem in in, in our country, <clears throat> and related to mental illness and re- related to that type of violence, uh, both on the um, uh, let's call it the massacre level, as well as the streets of Chicago, the streets of Philadelphia, the streets of New York, pretty out of control. Philadelphia has had more homicides this year than ever before, more than New York City, and yet we have one-third the population. Okay, so that doesn't get talked about much. So we have a very, very serious violence and um, assault and law enforcement problem. So so I'll just start with that, okay? And I'm going to keep it apolitical. I'm going to keep it objective. The idea that any individual in any elected office would ever not be supportive of the police is completely unacceptable. Okay, there, there are problems with it within the police force from time to time. We must back the blue. We must support law enforcement. If we don't, we will be living in a very uncivil society. And you know what? We are. People aren't going to Philadelphia. People aren't going to New York. Businesses are moving out of Chicago to safer areas where they support law enforcement. So we need to 
uh, enforce and put people away for committing violent crimes. It's, it's not happening. People are getting out, okay? We had a member of Congress, not that anybody from Congress is special, but a member of Congress was held up at gunpoint in Philadelphia. Now, granted, it was two minors, one, one 19-year-old. Each one of those persons were uh, uh, violent criminals, basically, were out within three days, okay? Does that make any sense? We had fentanyl, okay? I'm... I'm Moving around here a little bit, uh, excuse me, like almost 100 pounds of fentanyl was discovered in a, in, a, in a car in California, right? And people were arrested, brought in. They were out in two days. That, that, that's enough fentanyl to kill half of California, all right? And, of course, coming up from the southern border. So if we want to address the problem, we, we, we need to start with a high level of law enforcement, okay, high high levels of bail and, and people, frankly, going to jail. The punishments have to be there. Now, on the on the tragedy, tragedy that's occurring in our schools. Look, I, my, my, my kids are in their 20s, but that doesn't make any difference. They were they obviously were young once. I look at this like, what if the next one is is someone I love? You know why? Because every time it is someone somebody loves, obviously. Terribly tra- tragic. Uvalde was tragic. Buffalo was tragic. What, what just occurred in, in um, uh, Highland and outside of Chicago. Chicago. Awful, awful, awful. And then, of course, uh, uh, another that that was that was stopped. So a bill was passed. A bill was passed. And I don't want to get too long on this, but and nine tenths of that bill was very, very good. I, I was involved in it. I helped support. I helped design. It was about just what you brought up. It was about looking into people's juvenile pasts, making that part of the NIC system, the, na- the, the national system for uh, background checks. I, I believe that should be included during a, um, a background check. Okay, that, that's now in, in, the, in that national bill. Also, mental, mental illness. We passed several that I voted for, several bills to support and help mental illness. But there were two aspects of this bill that I had issue with. One was they would not affirm the requirement of due diligence for red flag laws. Now, you can't have someone, a neighbor who's mad at their neighbor, make a call to the police and say, hey, that guy's crazy. You know, I've seen him do crazy things. And based upon hearsay, not any sort of evidentiary standard that that person could be arrested and brought before a judge. Okay, there needs to be an. I had two amendments to that bill. One would require an evidentiary standard. The other would require a due process for adjudication for a judge and a right to appeal. Because let's face it, some judges are liberal. They might that might have a judge that just hates guns. So therefore, based upon hearsay, that individual who never did anything, okay, because there was no evidentiary standard. So anyway, those two aspects were missing. But I will just state this. First of all, look, we have a Second Amendment right. The right of law-abiding citizens to bear arms should not be questioned. That's how it's written in, in, in the Pennsylvania Constitution. Uh, we all know our Second Amendment in the U.S. Constitution. I support our Second Amendment rights 100%, okay, because if we don't, we are taking away the right for people to defend themselves. Yet, we have this mental illness problem. We have a background check problem, as just discussed, but we cannot we cannot allow that to move forward without a due process standard, which is, which is fair to, to d- determine mentally ill people and violent people from law-abiding people based upon hearsay. Now, the one thing with this, when we, we discuss this, and you say going back into their, what they did as teenagers and whatnot, uh, one of the things I, I think about is this uh, new thing that they also wanted to uh, push through where you have, I'm trying to think, the Disinformation Governments Board. You know, they were talking about that and where who determines what disinformation is. But what, where I'm tying this in is these people were out on the Internet making threats, yeah. many of them. I, I mean, how many cases do we th- see where they're making threats on the Internet and nobody does anything about it? Should have been so picked up. Instead of doing a disinformation governance board, yeah. wouldn't it be more appropriate to have a threat yeah. governance board or yes. something like that? Yes. You know, after 9-11, we set up, the United States set up a counterterrorism organization, right? Homeland Security. And you know what? It worked. 
Now, some people might have a problem with that because we had the Patriot Act where they were allowed to listen in, where they thought the FBI, when they thought there was terrorist a conversation taking place, it worked. We should have such a task force reviewing just what you're bringing up. Internet, those who are uh, stating that they're going to uh, kill people, bring harm to people, and, and engage in uh, such such murderous massacres. And that, can, and that, that worked after 9-11. Don't you think if you put the word kill in, guns in, it would at least kind of flag those? Like, I mean, if you could do that, why can't you do this? Look, the last several don't really make any sense. The last several massacres, I mean, mm-hmm. murders, mass murders, okay? They, these individuals sent out all kinds of signals. And... Um, now, law enforcement may have found, been found that they had they were uh, confined to what they could do, uh, and that and that can't be the case. All right, well, they need to be able to engage on those individuals, uh, have, have them ha- go through a mental mental illness um, evaluation. And if they're deemed to be a threat, then they, they need a temporary removal of their firearms. This bill is not terrible uh, that's passed. Um, I'm, I am concerned, obviously, what I, what I stated. But, mm-hmm. but outside of that, hopefully, hopefully it's a step in the right direction and things are done according to our constitutional rights. All right. People are concerned about the economy, gas prices, oil prices. We have Donald in Pittsburgh on the phone who wants to ask. Got to go to break. And we will be right back with Congressman Dan Meiser. That would be great. We have- I'll promise to keep my answer is a little shorter. I know it's hard because there's so much to explain on all of this stuff. Donald from Pittston is on the phone. Hello, Donald. All right. Uh, first of all, let's talk about oil. I'm not in love with uh, Biden's energy policy, but with that said, uh, I'm a political historian. July of 208, uh, July 10th of 208, oil hit $147 a barrel. Price of gasoline is $4 a gallon. Today it's $100 a barrel. The price is close to 5 Adjusted to inflation, it should be 540 employed by oil companies they want to get up to 540 so they're using this as an excuse uh, because the difference in uh, fifty dollars it was thirty dollars more July 10th of 08 at four dollars a gallon here paying five that's a hundred dollars a barrel you know what I'm saying it was 147 back then at the height uh, before the crash yeah. in July of 08 uh, what's your uh, comment on that do you don't think there's no gouging at all I mean someone trying to make a, 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 a couple bucks here for the stockholders well, look, um, the um, I don't I, I certainly remember 08. Um, I don't have the metrics. On I have that out for you. I uh, research things. I'm not sure what these well, crazy callers, conspiracy, uh, no, no, I got it. I got elections. It. Um, you know, you know, there, there were some different issues, um, our level of capacity. Like, for instance, if right now the U.S. was at much higher capacity than we are now, if we were if we were producing one million barrels more a day or maybe even a little bit more than that, as we were in 2019, we would then be, quote unquote, energy independent and we would be able to control the price better. Now, I have spoken to since Joe Biden came out with his remarks about gas station owners. Um, you know, 60% of gas station owners are are small businessmen. They own one, two, maybe three. Uh, and then you've got the Sheets and the others and the Sunokos. And we'll talk about that in a second. But the thing is this. They buy their gasoline from the rack. Um, they, it's a, it's a term, when I was revenue secretary, knew the term very well. They pay, they buy that from the rack at about nine cents profit. Nine cents gross profit. That doesn't include their operational overhead. It certainly doesn't include taxes. So the idea that Joe Biden and I got to also say this, uh, my friend Matt Cartwright just ran an ad stating that that gas stations were, were, were gouging um, their customers. That, that was outrageous. OK, it was ignorant. And it was false because that's not what's occurring. But they, the numbers they, I'm looking at tell you are real. It is a disparity. You know, 147 to 100, uh, and now you're paying an extra buck. I mean, come on. I mean, I know the commodities uh, market was hot back there in 08, but well, there were, but there were a couple of other things taking place. Right, we had a huge financial crisis. Uh, the the uh, government, the government at the time, Obama was, or he, as he was coming in, was not on the attack. Of the domestic energy industry, when if say you want to invest in an industry, but the but the White House, the president, and most Democrats who are fully in charge 
are on basically an assault on domestic energy. And that's what what's occurred. Nobody can state anything different. I'll state it objectively. There's a list of about 50 items that they've done, including not issuing permits. When, when Obama was in office, he issued 202 permits at this at this point in his in his term. You know how many the Biden administration's issued so far? Two. And that was only in the last few months. They banned. Um, they prohibited uh, drilling in, in the Gulf. They prohibited new areas in, in Alaska. If they open those up and if they literally called off their dogs and that's what they are. He's got dogs at the SEC. And I hey, look, I'm just stating that. I know that's a that's a, a derogatory term, but that's what's happening. They, the, the SEC and the Fed are threatening and warning financial banks, even some of our local banks. Uh, John Kerry has stated to financial institutions, um, it, 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 you don't want to be caught holding these toxic assets come a year from now because they they want to go after the industry and that is what is keeping the industry from investing in the future oh, that's what's keeping the future prices I want you to respect mine I think we're being gouged about 83 cents a gallon that's why I crunch the numbers but, that's but, all I'm saying okay, but, I'm, not, but, I'm not debating saying what you're saying is wrong yeah. I, he said he's going to eliminate fossil fuels Biden right. I have it on you my own I'll, eyes. I'll check so out the comparison on the way, but, but I, I just know what's happening now. I know where the margins are, and the world market does set the price, um, and it really comes down to supply and demand come the end of the day. We need to increase our capacity, and the Biden administration and far too many Democrats in the House and Senate refuse to do it. They are the cause of the high gasoline prices, not the local gas stations, not Putin. I mean, Putin contributed to some of it because we became non-energy independent. Any geopolitical rattling of, of, of the, the, the world economy, we should have learned that from the 70s and the 80s. And yet we didn't. Biden and gang let us become uh, energy dependent. And that's that's the, the largest reason, not just for the high gasoline prices, not just the high heating oil prices. Just wait for winter to come. But for inflation. They've, that's the cause of food increases. The, the farmers, uh, the, the, the fertilizer, our natural gas, it's all related. It's, it's like a contagion that takes place, and it's driving. And on top of the other things that they're doing, all the spending that they've done, um, uh, you know, the, the, the Fed bears some responsibility here uh, for, for over over uh, stimulus. But um, and even the even China has uh, the fact that. We rely too much on China and, and the holdups on goods there. So there's, there's, a, there's various contributing factors. But if it wasn't for the Biden administration policies backed by far too many Democrats in, in office and meanwhile blaming everybody else, our our gasoline prices would be a good dollar, if not dollar 30, if not a dollar 40 less, maybe where they were in, in, in 08. With this overturning of Roe versus Wade, uh, that just does what the Constitution says, gives it back to the states. People are now up in arms, thinking that you know if they're in a mar a gay marriage, that that's going to be overturned. That gay marriage is uh, also going to become illegal. They're they're worried about other forms of birth control becoming illegal. Um, what are your thoughts um, on some of that? Yeah. Well, nothing was made illegal. Uh, Roe versus Wade was overturned, as well as Planned Parenthood versus Casey. And in many ways, that was just as important because Bob Casey, our former governor, uh, current Senator Bob Casey's father, um, brought forth that a pregnancy should be prohibited from being aborted after 24 weeks and plant 24 weeks, six months that and Planned Parenthood sued and the Supreme Court upheld that you, you can't stop an abortion after 24 weeks. So that's one of the one of the big problems that the, the Democrats in, in, in Congress have gotten so extreme on this. I mean, Nikki, we, we tried to issue a petition, a sense of Congress that said late term partial birth abortions should be illegal mm -hmm. right should be federally banned and i think we got one uh, member of the house democrat to vote with republicans well, well we had to follow the science on covid but we don't follow the yeah. science on when a baby is formed because uh, that uh, to some people can't be determined but, well yeah. <laughs> never mind i can't even but, go but, there but you know what nothing was made illegal mm -hmm. the supreme court stated that they should be neutral on the issue that's what that's what's occurred they they've now neutral it is now up to the states to consider all stakeholders 
and develop laws, and the people in the state legislators should develop laws that are in the interest of the mother, the father, the baby, uh, and and life. Now, this person who texted in with this question, ask him a question that helps me decide on actually voting. Does he think gay marriage should be legal or illegal in PA? Yes or no? No. I don't think it should be illegal. You don't think it should be illegal? No. So, okay. Thank you. I, I don't like people who just vote based on where they can have sex. That bothers me or who they can have sex with or how often they can. But I, that's they I, wanted I, me to ask that question, I, so I did. I, I think we are a free nation. I, I think that, that for a lot of reasons, my, uh, my, my, my answer is no. We shouldn't be getting into people's uh, preference. When the issue was changed, I was Secretary of Revenue at the time under Tom Corbett when the Supreme Court overturned it and the state allowed it. It was interesting because, look, everybody wanted to respect the institution of marriage between a man and a woman. Get that. So I thought perhaps there should be it should be uh, known as gay marriage or civil unions or something of that nature. But it's been law now for what, uh, nine, ten years. And I I am for the, the rights of all people, regardless of what their religion, sexual preference is. So, again, my answer is no. Okay. No, you have a busy schedule. You have places to be. But we will have you back in again. Thank you again, Congressman Dan Muser, for joining us in the studio. I really appreciate it. And I look forward to seeing you lots between now and November. You too, Nikki. Thanks very much. (laughs) Thanks for listening to Special Edition, a weekly look at the issues in the news and the personalities shaping the stories. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply.